Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Creative and Balance Podcast. I am your host, Sean Siriani. Once again, got another episode for you. Another awesome guest. And before we get into it, all I gotta say is fuck, I am there's a little technical difficulty on this episode. But not to worry, the whole interview is audible. You can understand what is going on. But for some reason, my mic sounds a little different and weird. I don't know how that happened. While I was doing this interview, I had my headphones on. Everything sounded clean on my end. But um, maybe I grabbed the shady mic or an XLR cord that's on its last life. I don't know what happened. I got to investigate. But it kind of sounds like even though me and my guests are sitting across from each other, his audio is totally fine. But I sound like I'm on a phone call or something. And... You can hear everything I say, and I'm sure this is bugging me more than a lot of you, but fuck. I know some of the original gangsters who have been listening to this show used to listen to me while I was just with a handheld recorder in a park, and this is not going to be an issue to you at all, but uh, I've been taking pride in a lot of the quality of all my later shows, and just to have that kind of derail for a minute kind of pisses me the fuck off. But anywho, with that being said, we got a great guest. He is the founder of the Blood in the Snow Canadian Film Festival. It's a horror film fest. He goes by the name of Kelly Michael Stewart, and he's got an awesome story. He tells us how he got into the horror genre at a young age and all about the Toronto horror film scene. And it was a really fun talk. After the mics went off, we were just sitting around talking. And uh, shout out to to his publicist, Jen, who was around, taking photos, making me feel like a bigger star than I actually am. <laughs> I'm so excited for this Blood in the Snow Canadian Film Festival. It's happening in November. And I'm going to stop myself right now from talking too much about it. Because you're going to hear about it in the interview. And another thing before we hop right into this episode... I got to give some shout outs to Cameron McGregor and Amanda Baxter. They recommended this guest to me and he was absolutely perfect. And all October, I'm going to be doing horror content, creepy stuff. Uh, I've been trying to get a ghost medium in here. <laughs> it's going to it's going to be a fun month of just spooky shit. And like always, if you dig this show, you can also find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and at our home base, girthradio.com. And I recommend you going to girthradio.com. You can see a page for this episode, also a little blurb, some pictures, and also you can check out the other shows that are on Girth Radio. There's a lot of diverse stuff going on, fun, good vibes. I love clicking around on different shows on there, even like the ones I'm not a demographic to and just like kind of listening to all these different universes. But right now, we're going to take you into the Toronto horror film universe with Kelly Michael Stewart. Let's go! Live from Pacific Junction Hotel, 
Girth Radio. But it's interesting you said about the different kinds of scenes. Yeah, because you've got you've got the indep- you not just you got horror fans, but then you also got the independent film scene, and then within the independent film scene, you've got the horror scene as well. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of interesting. And sometimes it mixes and sometimes it doesn't. It's kind of a, it's a weird. Yeah, it just these, seems like there's so many pockets, different yeah. branches to everything. Yeah, which yeah. Is yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cause it was funny because I went to, I'm so involved in the horror scene. And I remember going to a screening, um, I think it was a film called Sex After Kids, a really funny comedy. And it was all independent filmmakers in, in Toronto. And at the time, I didn't know any, I know, I know a lot of them now. This is like five years ago. I'm like, I don't, I, I thought I knew everybody. And then there's like the, then you I, so I know what you mean about discovering this because it's like it's like this is a whole other pocket of people that I didn't even know existed. Yeah, it's just yeah. so funny. I just you realize this. You know, it's Toronto is both small and large at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's exciting. It's like okay, here's this whole pocket here, and now like I can just imagine myself just been watching like a hundred movies. Mm-hmm. I just heard yeah, of yeah, and, yeah. It's gonna happen. Yeah. But uh, I want to know a little bit about you, like uh, back in the day, like. Do you remember your first experience, like, as a kid, like, discovering the horror genre? I'm not sure there was a defining moment, but just sort of, like, I think the thing that attracted me the most at the time, I was really into the classic uh, universal horror films. I think that was my entry into it. So I was, uh, and, and same with Vincent Price. Like, just, I knew Vincent Price not as a movie star, but... Someone that would just show up in commercials and on the love boat and yeah, things like that. Yeah, sometimes he do comedy. And yeah, then... but he was kind of playing that kind of horror icon, almost like in an Elvira kind of way. Yeah, yeah. Where he just sort of like, you didn't know what they did, but they were just represented. When you see them around October for Halloween, they just represented horror. And they would just suddenly be on talk shows and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. And so that was kind of my entry. And I was and I was obsessed with the iconography of, of Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff and things like that. And that was kind of my entry into it. And probably the first horror film I ever saw was Poltergeist. Oh, okay. For, yeah, like that one. And that one, and what blew me away, I, I, had, a, I had a, I have an uncle who's like kind of like a, it's my dad's kid brother, so he's a little close in age, so he's like a bigger brother for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. And he told me, it's like, and I didn't realize until the first time I watched it, he said, oh, it's such a neat movie. It's the first horror movie he could think of where no one dies in it. So that's and like a good gateway one. It was kind of a gateway. No, but just like I just thought that was me. How could you do a movie that was that scary? Because it scared the bejesus out of me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, that was really amazing. Because it's so easy to just do something that's pure violence. And I was like, wow, they actually made a horror movie where no one dies. But it scared me. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was really incredible. So that, I think that had a big impact yeah. on me. Come to think of it, that might even be like one of my first ones. Mm-hmm. I always remember just like, I forget the name of the channel. It might have been Bravo. It was like. In Niagara Region Channel 39 when I was, like, a kid. And, yeah. like, Sunday afternoon they just play, like, a random horror movie. And, like, mm-hmm. one weekend was, like, Poltergeist, one was Shining. And mm-hmm. I think those were, like, my first, like, possibly two that... Yeah, I think The in. Shining was the other one as well. Yeah. I think The Shining was the other one that really had that kind of impact on me. I remember seeing the commercial as a kid because it, it had the whole blood coming out of the elevator. And and the guy going welcome kind of thing like that. Yeah, like, they just like that. And it's like I think he said that or something, um, or or something like good evening or, or something like that. He had the the, the you know, he was wearing like the tux, yeah. and then the, and then the blood comes out, and uh, and and I remember being so mortified by that as like a little kid, but also intrigued. You know, had that, yeah. that had, yeah, yeah. had a big impact. Yeah. Super interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, what do you think like kept you? I don't know, just intrigued to get into the horror industry yourself, is it? Well, I mean... Is a conscious thing? Or? No, it wasn't, actually. You know, I, it, it kind of happened by accident, because, I mean, I've been a film buff my whole life. 
But as, I love horror movies, but it wasn't like I had any particular affinity towards that. Towards I would say, in fact, I was probably more of a sci-fi kid. To be perfectly honest, I was yeah. you know, I was obsessed with Star Wars. I was that generation, you know. And so uh, all those movies, kind of all that stuff, Buck Rogers, um, Battlestar Galactica, all that stuff. That was that was that was me. So I as much so I, even though I loved horror films, that was kind of more something I got more into in my adult years, or teen like teen years and adult years. Yeah, yeah. But as a kid, kid like that was kind of like that was my entry. So how I got into the horror part was I was just as I was a writer, um, I was a film writer for Toronto Film Scene, a local blog gear like that, and and uh, and I was just going to film festivals. I was covering everything. I was just doing every single film festival you could think of, like everything from the Palestine Film Festival to the Jewish Film Festival. It was like all over, all over the map, and um, and I had a really good time doing that. I was doing that for about a year or so. And I ran into an f- old friend of mine who I actually used to do music with, named Chris Alexander. And he, uh, him and his wife had a band back in the '90s. And my wife at the time and I had a band. We we're like these kind of goth band. We we're like it was oh, like cool. it was it was like Depeche Mode, mellow Depeche Mode, but with female vo- vocals. What, what was your band name? It's called Chocolate Grinder. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we did some shows together. And then I lost touch with them. We quit doing the music thing. That relationship ended, and then I and then I ran into Chris about eight years at the Blur, and he was doing his own film night, and I just went in, and he was actually doing a, of all screenings, he was doing a screening of Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park, and we found out that we were both Kiss fans, like hardcore Kiss fans, but we never told each other. Yeah. we were like we were too school for you know too was cool that for like school. too uh, mainstream for yeah like yeah because at the time yeah. we were like all goth, so we were like we we're all about everything was about Skinny Puppy and which is you know that's all true. It was all you know, all the all mystery and and mm-hmm. the cure, the cure, and all that kind of. So it was all about that kind of stuff. It was never, Kiss never got mentioned. So we were kind of in the, we joked we were we were in the closet at the time, for 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 being Kiss fans. <laughs> so he goes to see that. I just wanted to go see it on the big screen because I was a big Kiss fan. And we will find out we were both Kiss fans, and I hadn't seen him in eight years, and he barely recognized me because I had long black hair back then, and I cut that all off. And and uh, anyway, we we struck up a friendship, and I just started going to his film nights. And then a few months later, maybe it was six months later, he became the editor of Fangoria Magazine. And that was at a neat... He used to write for Rue Morgue, and then that... And then he started writing for Fangoria permanently, like full-time. And then Tony left um, Fangoria, and then they offered it to, to Chris to do it. So he did it out of his home studio out of Oakville. Even though the magazine was out of New York, he did it out of Oakville. And then that led to him, and so obviously you hire and you work with people that you know. And so he knew I was a film writer, and he just said at one of his film hey, if you got any pitches, let me know. So I like started pitching ideas, and so then I became like a Fangoria writer, just like I never was like staff, but just like I would just pitch an idea, and I kind of really kind of ran with it. I just started doing that, and I got very well known in the city as one of the more um, you know pronounced you know well-known writers in the city for for doing that because i'm a bit of a showman I'm a, I, I got a little bit of pt barnum in me so i was so I, I ran with it you know and i was really doing all that and and i got to meet a lot of famous people and that led to me doing my own film uh, hosting my own film night chris was just winding down his he had a thing called film school confidential and then i had the opportunity to do my own f- film night called fright nights at the projection booth theater out on Gerard Cinema. And with the films, were you just uh, finding other independent ones, or were you playing your favorites? It was completely, yeah, the first it was completely random. I think my, actually my first, um, uh, my, yeah, the, oh, there was the first one, it was like, um, oh, what was the, I can't even remember the name, it was, a, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was a Roger Corman movie. 
Or just like um, uh, with you know the the not the, the one that the art the artist. Do you remember the one? Anyway, anyway, um, I'm going I'm going on the radio. I'm completely blank. But anyway, I, anyway, I started hosting um, uh, movie nights at the at, at the at the theater, and it was kind of random. And actually, very quickly, I I this I think it was even the second month I I hosted an independent film there um, called Black Eve, and. Um, um, and Bucket of Blood. Sorry, that's why I remember it. It was Bucket of Blood. I don't know why I went blank there. That was <laughs> the first film. Yeah, yeah, Bucket of Blood. So the first film, the first film I ever showed was Bucket yeah. of Blood. Yeah. Public domain, so it was easy to show. So I showed that, and then I did a film called Black Eve, which was by a local filmmaker named Ryan Andrews. And it did really well. And it did like that, too. And then a month after that, I actually managed to uh, get um, the first Toronto screening ever of Battle Royale. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah. I'm the first person to ever play it theatrically. Yeah, a lot of people are. What year is that? Because I feel like I came like a little late to that party. I just heard like. Probably oh God, like, that movie has yeah. been around for ages. I can't remember what year it came out exactly, and they've had sequels since then. Like maybe fifteen years now. Or oh something? wow, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it never, it never got a proper release here. And what happened was, I was friends with people. Um, one of our sponsors back then was Anchor Bay, and they were putting it out. And I was just talking to, uh, to them, and I said, you know, about. I was actually talking about another title that I wanted to show, and I was just talk, and I, I said, and I said, well, I do have Battle Royale. It's coming in on on DVD. I'm like, really? Oh my god, I'll totally show that. So I showed that, and to this day, it's the highest end screening I've ever done. <laughs> yeah, there was yeah. a lineup down the block. People were dressed up. It was like huge, and that totally put me on the map. So that was That's a so real. Cool. It was a big defining moment in, in my career and all this, and. So between doing the Black Eve screening and, and Battle Royale, that really took off the Fright Nights thing. And, and so I just started doing these monthly film nights for about a year. And then about into the late summer, this is 2012, uh, I had a bunch of film. I was paying more and more local films. And I, and I, and I, would just, I was kind of like you're talking about now, like discovering the scene. And I was just discovering it. I'd done a couple of set visits to a couple of indie films. And I actually enjoyed going to those sets than I did the bigger sets. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like you go to on the set of like, I remember going to the set of Riddick, for example, like okay. Vin Diesel. It's great. I had a great time. I got to meet Vin Diesel. I got to meet all these different cool people. But they kind of keep, it's very corporate in the sense that they keep you in like, here's the lounge. They come in, you do the interview, and they leave. Mm-hmm. But they, when you go on an indie film set, you get to be in the movie. They they dress you up in zombie makeup, perhaps, and you, it's very laid back. And you get to talk and hang out with everyone. You can just walk around anywhere you want. And I really like that. I like that kind of vibe. So I really enjoyed being on an indie film set. And so I got really kind of intrigued by this and said, "Wow, these people are making this locally, and the and the quality of the films were really good. You know, maybe not like A grade, kind of like the top movies, but yeah. it was still there was always something interesting and fun about them. Yeah, yeah it's probably like uh, I don't know." Has more heart to the environment, would you say? Oh, like, yeah. They're, well, they're, that's the thing. Anyone who's making it, it's all passion projects. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no, there's nothing. So there's nothing fake about it. It's all about. They're all about it because they're all passionate to do it. They're using a lot of times their own money, and they're always and they're really getting excited about um, about the uh, about the project. Because so, sometimes it takes like three, four years for this to get to screen. Oh, definitely. It's, it's a big thing. So I was hosting um, the nights, and then right at the same time, I had about three, four filmmakers contact me all at the same time, saying, "Kelly, um, we didn't get into Fantasia and Tron After Dark, which, you know, and which is the the main genre at the time. They were really the only things in town. There was that in Montreal, Fantasia in Montreal, and Tron After Dark here. Now they're both international film festivals, and they play, you know, and they would play maybe four or five at the most features 
like that. But there was a lot more features in Canada being made than what they could show. Okay. So some of them that were really solid weren't getting in. So I had a couple of filmmakers come to me going, hey, can I have it play at Fright Nights? So I ended up having like this list of four or five films that I was going to play. And I'm like, oh, well, rather than roll it out over six months, why don't I just do it an all-Canadian weekend? And I, I'm, the original idea was Fright Nights, and the tagline was Blood in the Snow Weekend. Okay, so that was the first Blood in the Snow? It was going to be. Well, it was that, that was the... When I, before I even I just mentioned it, and, I, and a filmmaker that I asked if he hey would you like to play my Fright Nights Blood in the Snow weekend? He said to me, "Well, why don't you that's not, why that sounds like a film festival? Why don't you call it Blood in the Snow Canadian Film Festival?" I went, "Oh, okay." <laughs> it's just like, and that was it. It was so nonchalant. There was no game plan. There was no like I'm going to put. I, in fact, I even had a friend told me that apparently I said to her um, in July, and this is and I put together the fest in September. And she said, Have you, would you ever start a film festival? And I said, oh, hell no. Yeah, and yeah. it was just like, so oh, that's how fast it happened. <laughs> yeah. And so it became that. And that was in, and so I put it together in September. The fest was at the end of November, which is when we always have it. And we had it at the end of November. And it honestly, be, and no word of a lie, it became a phenomenon. We had MTV come out. We sold out two of the screenings. We had really good attendance for most of the stuff the whole weekend. Uh, we ended up doing six, seven programs that weekend. And it it was it was it was great, and we I mean we didn't even have like now where you have like film submissions and a jury and it was just sort of like I literally just picked a bunch of films and showed it. It was just like it was so haphazard. That's incredible. And it just it was one of those things where and so it's really funny. The question I always get on every show I'm on like this, the first question they ask me usually is there enough Canadian horror films to justify the fest? And I will say no. The films came first. They, I had, the, I was just doing my monthly thing, doing my, I was Fangoria guy, doing my Fright Nights thing. Mm-hmm. They came to me with all their films, and they were like, they needed a home for it, and I was in a position that I could provide that. So that was kind of what. So the content is what drove it, and then, um, and then, and there was, and you know, there was a built-in audience for this stuff. There was like, there was, uh, um, and so it was literally we did year one. It was like the beta year where. It was only after the fast fest in December, January, where we sat down with people who volunteered and a few new people and went, okay, so how do we do a film festival? Like after we done year one, we're already kind yeah, of yeah. like, and that's <laughs> kind of when, and that's really when I started building the team. We put it, we had a jury, we had film submissions, we moved it to the Carlton, uh, we we did, you know we did all these different things, the, the, the things that you would expect that a film festival would do. That's really kind of in year two was when it really started that was the real work for me was in 2013 because then i was like very self-conscious like okay how do i build a film festival year one it was just like i remember going on stage for the first screening and went this didn't exist 10 weeks ago like as you're walking out there it's like okay this is happening how do i do this well actually that wasn't hard because i'd already to me at first it was just an extension of my monthly film night so i had i had just been introducing and doing Q&As uh, every month anyway. In fact, actually, that was easier for me than in year two. Because then I went, when I went into year two, I hadn't done anything in a year. And I remember almost having stage fright when I did sta- year, uh, year two because I hadn't done any Q&As uh, yeah, or intros for a whole year. Live speaking is yeah, bad. yeah. I was so used to, like, the more you do it, the more relaxed you get, right? Mm-hmm. So I was so used to doing that every single month. By the time Blood and Snow won, I was on my A game at that point. I was really, I was really tight. 
And then I remember being in year two, like the first, just the first one, like the first screen, or kind of stumbling over my words. Oh, thank you for being here. And I would just, I would get it, and I like, and I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm a good public speaker, and I would just like, I feel very comfortable in front of a camera, in front of a crowd, and um, and I remember being like uh, a little rusty, and I was like, oh wow, I haven't been on the bike in a year, yeah, and it yeah. just, it took me a couple of screenings to get back into it again. So that's the hardest part is when I haven't done it in a long time and then have to go do it and then yeah. so it always feels a little rusty the yeah, repetition first. leads to excellence it does yeah <laughs> it does absolutely yeah, yeah. I've, I've had some moments like that too where you're just like okay yeah I know how to do this and then you do it and you're like oh that wasn't like yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, like yeah. your ego almost like gets in the way <laughs> yeah 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 exactly and the thing is too is like and also I think when the more self-conscious you are about something mm-hmm. you're yeah, suddenly aware it. and you're kind of like that too and you're overthinking it. and I think in those early days it was easy for me because I you know, we're in a little grindhouse cinema on the east end of the city. There's no no one expected us to do anything, so it was, there was no pressure. It was it was just totally easy. It's only when things get bigger, yeah, that's yeah. when that's when the pressure hits. You know? That's fucking awesome. It's cool to hear how natural this whole thing started for you, and mm-hmm. how it's like turned into this big scene from what mm-hmm. I've been like reading and watching, like all these like little YouTube clips of you and mm-hmm. everything. It's yeah, really interesting. Well, that's the thing, and what's 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 really cool about it too is that it's not, it's become, I guess, in a way, my life's work now because it's like, I mean, we because and not just for me. If you talk to our team, they're really passionate. I mean, my my programmers and my and my team staff and like that too. Yeah, they're awesome. We, There's yeah, one right here. Right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> She's yeah. Killing it today. Yeah, it's our awesome. festival coordinator Jen Corman's sitting here right next to us, and and actually interesting, um, Jen, how I met Jen, she came to the very first screening of Blood in the Stone, two thousand twelve. A friend brought her, and uh, within a year, she was helping us like behind the scenes already. And then, and then that role grew and grew and grew and grew. So it's just so funny that when I'm sitting here talking about that first screening and doing that in year one, Jen was actually yeah, in the audience, but just, <laughs> but just as a patron. But that's how it happens, though, is that is that we are uh, a collective, and we have um, about eleven people on on like a volunteer staff. And then we have uh, about 25 to 30 people that are, are volunteers each year. And they're really passionate about it. I mean, we really are really, like, they're really dedicated. And every, and we, um, like, our programmers and our team, like, our, we have, like, we have, like, six people that are kind of, like, I'd say, the core people that do, like, what I mean by that, not to diss anyone else, but but they're the ones that are at everything. Because we, we do all, things all year round. We go to conventions and stuff all year round. Yeah, I noticed you had something, like, in Niagara Falls going on. Yeah, yeah Niagara Falls is one of our bigger ones. We have uh, we do a lot of conventions now, and Niagara Falls is the biggest. They're, uh, we're, we partner up with them. We we do more than just have a table. We have screenings in Niagara Falls each year, and we'll actually be. They have a new um, offshoot festival called uh, Frightmare in the Far Out Falls. Cool. That's this November, and we're going to that as well. And that's just horror. Yeah. And it's the same thing. It's the same convention, Scotia Bank Convention Center, in Niagara Falls. But the last three years, we've been going to Niagara Falls, and what we do is we actually do like a bits uh, alumni. Uh, best of kind of thing like that, yeah, where we show yeah. three or four films, and then we have a couple of panels as well, because it's they get about thirty five thousand people there, and it's neat going. It, there's well, there was two kinds of conventions that we go to. There's the horror conventions, and they they know us already. They're kind of like our core core people, and we probably have the most fun at that because yeah, it's yeah. our people. Yeah, it's probably like a family reunion. It is, yeah, it's a family reunion. But then Niagara Falls is good because it's like that's that's the real outreach because then you're getting people that n- might be interested in us, but they yeah. aren't necessarily full time horror people. Yeah, you know what's awesome yeah. about going yeah. to Falls? I yeah. grew up in Niagara Falls, oh, yeah? and 
there was nothing like that going on mm. until they got this convention center yeah. a couple of years ago. So, yeah, it was only like five years ago. Yeah. yeah, and there's like people craving this kind of entertainment. Mm. Like I was one of them, and that's probably one of the reasons why I moved to Toronto too. Well, it, it's one of many, but it's like and it's blown up. And I think part of the reason why part of the reason of their success too is the fact that Fan Expo has almost gotten too big in Toronto. And they're getting, you know, I mean, when you get 150,000 people going through, it's very hard to move. And so a lot of people are like, you know, screw this. I'm going to skip the crowds and then go to Niagara Falls. So we know that a lot of people coming to Niagara Falls are coming from Toronto. Yeah. So that's a good one for us because like that, too, because you, you get a lot of the same guests and a lot of the same vibe of it, but just a little bit more easier to walk around a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. It's down. probably like even as a fan going, it's a little more intimate experience than going a little to bit a more, yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. feeling like cattle going yeah, through yeah, the mines. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. But we're involved with, yeah, other ones too. We, uh, we're, well, actually, we'll, we'll announce our lineup this year. We've been involved from day one. Chris Alexander is actually one of the uh, uh, one of the people that run it along with Lewis from, formerly from Suspect Video. They do Horrorama. And they're in year four, I think. And uh, they're uh, we we all we have a tradition of we actually announce our lineup at Horror Ram, and it's going to be November November fourth and fifth um, at a um, at the nine eighteen gallery, I believe. Um, uh, it's down Bathurst, um, and uh, new location this year. But anyway, we will be there that weekend, and we have we have like a big almost like a press conference, and all our programmers are lined up, cool. and we show clips from the films that we picked, and we announce the lineups, and all the tickets go oh, on sale nice. that day. So like all the people who've submitted films to the Blood and the Snow, they'll yeah. like end up going to this thing. And yeah, like, they do. The filmmakers like an come. award show, fingers crossed. And well, they well they know ahead of time because okay. we let them know we have to get there. Something they know, but they they, they can finally tell everyone. You know, they're kind of they, they're they're in on the secret. They we, we ah, they've, they've probably known for about two weeks at that point. Okay, okay. So we what happens is. Um, uh, you know, we we close our submissions the first week of October, and then we have our final programming meeting, and then we let start letting filmmakers know gradually throughout the month, and and then we put our lineup together, and then we tell them the first thing I say in the acceptance letter: don't tell anyone, and then come out to Horrorama, and we'll you know we'll announce it. So we have this press conference, and it was really neat. Is like last year went so well that our um, our panel that announced the lineup was their highest attended panel. For the entire convention, yeah. I and mean, it was packed. You couldn't fit anyone in. It was like so. It's become like this big thing of, you know, this is this is this is the only way you can. You know, everyone wants to hear things first, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so everyone was all packed in. You see the filmmakers with them, and like that too, and all our programs. And we just kind of read off the lineup, and we show trailers from the from the films that we picked. And that's always really exciting to do that. So cool. Mm -hmm. And how do you guys uh, consider like uh, after you get all these submissions, like to what gets accepted into the to the film festival. Like what were the criteria is? Or yeah, yeah. Is yeah. there like any specific style of horror you're li looking for? Or is it just like, if it's good, it's good? Type yeah, of I mean, it's good. well, it is a subjective thing, right? Yeah, and this yeah. is why we have, we have, including myself, we have five programmers. Uh, and then, so the other two are two men and two women. And we, um, uh, and we, we talk all through the year. And we, we, and we, and the way it works is people submit through a site called Film Freeway. And what happens is we get it's really great the technology today because back when we started the fest already we can, in 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 2013 you had to actually mail us a DVD <laughs> and we had to I had to call oh we got a DVD and let's all get together and watch a bunch like that's that's that tells you how much the technology has changed just in five mm -hmm. years and so and so by 2014 we were doing film freeway exclusively and there's another one called without a box but we don't use that. And what you do is you can actually go in there and they can judge it and do like 
I can see like a rating for each of them, but we still want to meet in person and talk about them because there's sometimes like some people will like it and some people won't, and they're like, well, I'm not too sure about it. And we will sit down as a group and just over over some chips and beer, and we will just sit in my on my floor in my apartment and we will just hash it out. That's got to be fun too. It is actually really fun. I really enjoy I really enjoy those those meetings and and we just do that uh, twice a year and we. Um, and we kind of, you know, we kind of figured all the details of it, and um, it's, a, you know, it's, a, it's really passionate. I mean, I would say about 90 percent of the films we pick, everyone's in agreement with. It's just those last couple of ones that we're not too sure about. Yeah, yeah. And usually the reasons are kind of like, I always tell filmmakers too, like, don't get too caught up on it. Oh, it didn't get in, so they didn't like it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of films we turn down that we love, yeah. like literally love, and it might be simply a case of. You know, we had one film got five votes and the other one got three votes. Yeah, like a split decision. There's a split decision, so we end up going with the one. Or maybe there might be two films that are maybe a little too similar. Ah, yeah. We try and have a diversity in every sense of the word for like the filmmakers, but also geographically, so we can have a little bit from across. We don't want just we don't want just Toronto films. We we want films from all across Canada. Um, Or if there's like thematically, they're just like you know, if we have two. God forbid, two zombie films that are like kind of like a little too much on the nose of the same kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Then we might gotta go. Well, okay, well let's pick one of them, you know, or yeah, something like that. So that's that's good to be considerate of your audience like that if they're buying a pass. Well, that, somebody's that's, gonna watch everything. It's well, that's like, it. That's it. And that's the that's the that's the that's really the the, the filter that I think of mostly because my job besides running the fast first from the programming perspective, I let the other four really kind of give me the creative feedback on it but for me i i i'm the one who kind of more focused on the scheduling and the marketing side of it yeah, yeah. so i'm kind of like you know there's because there's other factors that come into play if a filmmaker um you know has a certain historical record of the fest like they're kind of like the, of note or maybe we've been we've been we haven't showed one of their films yet we keep they keep getting on the bubble but not getting in i might say look this guy or girl has done this four or five shorts now and they've almost got in we got to show their stuff yeah, this now like let's, yeah. them, like let's give them like let's get them in and kind of in, in into the club because we don't want to be like elitist and and feel like people are left out and things like that we don't want it like an insider's thing where hey if you're all friends with it that's the only people who can play it we really want to try and keep it as fair as possible and have as much be as inclusive as we can so there's little things like that that come into play and it's all subtleties that you're trying to do is it's not i can't really say just like one thing like how yeah, we yeah. pick it and you know i will say overall though there's not a lot of films with someone with the mask running around with the knife that's not oh, something yeah, yeah there's not there, we, well one we don't even get that many like that but really too we you know you want something that's going to bring something new to the table and i think um i should mention too that we don't just play horror films where we consider ourselves more of a genre festival and so we try and we, we play things that are like dark dramas even and sci-fi films and we documentaries. We showed a film. We showed uh, a, a poster documentary, twenty four by thirty six, a movie about movie posters, and that was our opening night film actually. Cool. And it's all about no. There's like a lot of them are about horror. Uh, it's made, it was made in Toronto. It had a lot of Toronto and Canadian illustrators in it, and it was it had the guy from Hollywood Canteen in it talking about posters that are sold in Toronto. And there's that aspect of it, but it was like all different kinds of posters but they were obviously like a horror component so that played very very well to our audience so we that was our opening night film another film that we showed last year was called Kidnap Capital and it was actually it takes it was made here but it was takes place in, in Phoenix Arizona 
and it's actually about the illegal um, immigration trade, where where Phoenix, Arizona, actually is the is the cannot capital of the world, where people will be uh, they'll they'll smuggle them over the border and they'll literally strip them of their clothes, put them in a basement, and tell them you're not leaving here until your family gives four thousand dollars or whatever the heck it is that's a horror that's a exactly that's a real life horror thing and it has some social commentary and especially with what's going on in the states now it's very relevant to what's going on so that's the stuff that's really been exciting us now is like we're kind of like we're we've been loosening the uh, we're loosening the strings a little bit of like what we would accept for 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 fast, so we've been getting away from calling it a horror fest that much. We more about a genre festival, and we just kind of look at we look at it more as an um, the horror thing as an umbrella, yeah. and all these things that can fit underneath that. And so it's a it's a subjective decision of like what we think fits in that. But so far, I think we've gotten it right. I think those are like we've we've gotten some we've gotten nothing but positive reaction to those films. So we're going to continue doing that. And it gives us a little bit more flexibility of the kinds of films that we can show. And so I would suggest to filmmakers that if you're going, there's so much content now that you have to um, you have to do something different. You have to be better than everyone else. You have, you have to stand out. There's no excuse for bad sound or bad picture quality now. You have to have technically it has to be completely like professional. And there and you you won't I guarantee you won't get in unless you have those those things now. And the second thing is you need to have something that's just, it's, and this is where the elusive part of it comes in. It has to be something that's a little different. It has something, and I'll say this too: the films necessarily that we play aren't necessarily the best films you're ever going. This might surprise you, but aren't necessarily the best films you're ever going to see. But they're all interesting. Yeah, they're all that's interesting. Cool. I find that even more intriguing. It is, it is, and I, and I will say this too: is that if, you, if a good film festival, and this is not just with Blood and Snow, this is like any any good festival that has like. Is that if if you're a really good festival, and I'm going to give props to uh, uh, our friends at Toronto After Dark, they do the same thing. People will go to Blood in the Snow and Toronto After Dark because of the brand. They will kind of go. They trust the brand, and they kind of like go, "Hey, I really like what they do," or maybe what Peter does for Midnight Madness for Tip. They like the brand, and they will just try out a bunch of different things. They'll go in and do like you know like a sample sample menu yeah, yeah. of it, and they'll try out all that stuff. And what we want for Blood in the Snow is we want people to go, I'm going to Blood in the Snow, and I don't know what I'm going to get. Yeah, yeah. And then just kind of go, and just know that, hey, at the same time, though, be prepared. Of the 10 programs you said, I guarantee you, you might not like everything, Mm -hmm. but you're going to like something. And at the very least, you're going to go, it's going to cause a discussion. You're going to leave it and go to the bar after and have a really cool chit-chat and kind of go, oh, I like this. No, I didn't like this. But if they did this, it would have been better. And And that's okay. That's okay. You want to have that discussion. It's all about... A big part of it is that interaction and people talking about the films and getting excited about it and being passionate about it. That's why, like a like a mainstream film that's really getting people riled up, which I think is amazing, is Mother. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't I, seen it yet, yeah, but I either. love the fact that yeah. everyone's arguing about it. Mm-hmm. That is something people the, the people are not down the no one's down the middle on that film. Either you love it or you hate it, and people are really really passionate about it. And that is to me is the perfect festival film. Is yeah. that people are going to get really riled up and really excited about it? Yeah, because and people it, are just like, okay, now I have to see it for my own opinion. Like, yeah, do I, I see like what, it? Do I not like it? Yeah, yeah, and that's that's a really exciting thing. Yeah, oh, it's so cool. Do you have an all-time like favorite film that came through like your festival, like oh. one that just kind of blew your fucking socks off? Oh, well, I think it's not so much the favorite ones but you have like favorite moments yeah you know like some like i get excited i guess probably by if you know if i'm 
if I'm able to, because I'm, I'm in a position to be able to help a lot of people's careers, like you know, like that, you know, because a lot of films, like we almost have a perfect track record for distribution. Like most films that get into Blood in the Snow get some kind of distribution. And so if, if we can kind of pick something that might have been overlooked by somewhere else, and if we got to premiere it and then it got picked up and it's done some done some business or done something like that or did something for their career, I get I get kind of excited by that, you know, kind of like that too. Uh, now you're putting on the spot for actual titles <laughs> that I got <laughs> to. But it's, it's, what it's about hard. like in, in 2016? Was there just like one standout where you were like, holy fuck, like whether like on an interesting level or just personally you – enjoying the ride through the movie uh well i think there was two films that were in particularly intriguing for me because um because uh, of the of the journey of them because one they were both world premieres and secondly both of them were short films that played blood in the snow previous years and then they were made into feature films oh, wow so the first one was uh was a film by uh director torn langdon called three dead trick-or-treaters and it was probably the first silent uh, horror anthology. They did that, and so it, it, there's no dialogue in the entire movie. And he did he did a couple of shorts called um, Fondue and Malleus Maleficarum. Uh, that 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 second one that played Blood in the Snow, I think, in 2014. Um, and he just pieced it together. He started just he's been working on it for five years, and he finally pieced it together. Wow. Um, and, he, and, he, and, he, and he yeah he did, and he premiered it. And right now he. Um, He's touring around the world. He's got it playing in about 15 countries this month. Um, different, like, yeah, under circus tents and different like that. He's in Shanghai. It's in, like, it's others. Go look online. It's like, yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like he's kind of like doing kind of touring. And, and I, uh, per, you know, to be all fair, I actually worked with him as well as a film producer. He was a director on a film that I worked on. And he, and he's a, he's only about 21 years old and he's a winterkin. Like, he really, oh he, uh, he's, there's nothing quite like, uh, like how Torn makes films, he has a very, he does like comic book. He draws up these little comic book, very detailed storyboards the way like Hitchcock did, and he really is meticulous about them. So he did that film, and I was really excited to, to play and play the world premiere because I would, because I was aware of his work and not a lot of people were. We were able to play that before everyone else. So I'm really excited, not what just happens already, but what's going to happen. Yeah, with yeah. That film and then uh, the other one was a film called uh, Streamer that we played last year and it is it, that's another film that's not really a horror film but it's really it was made it, we, we had a short film called streamer that played in 2013 and uh, and um, jared the director of that he made that into a full feature and it was about as run and gun as you can get far as like homemade like just shot he, he the, the director plays like plays a version of himself in it and he's so he's the you know he has a co-director as well but he he's on screen kind of playing quote unquote a version of himself and he gets obsessed with this girl online and he's kind of stalking it's very much like taxi driver that kind of like where you're just alone too much and you just start your brain just starts kind of going crazy yeah, and stuff yeah. like that too and we had an interesting programming challenge with that last year because we got the film like we want to play it but we don't know where to put it we just it didn't feel it wasn't a big enough film to play in prime time because you know just like he, you know we, we were uh, this year at the, we're at the Royal last year we're at the Cineplex Young and Endass so we had a big theater and even bigger this year, but um, to fill. And it was just like, I didn't think it was too intimate of a film to play that big of a venue in prime time. Yeah, so yeah. I'm like, well, it's not. And then we usually would put them in the afternoons, but at that time, we don't. We had midnight screenings, so we decided, let's make that one of our midnight films. Uh, 
And so that was kind of interesting and unique to 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 try that and to play such a a slow burn brooding film at midnight. And that was another world premiere. And just again get to see that trajectory of that of of, of a short filmmaker that did the short was inspired and then a few years later premiered their their feature with yeah, us. Yeah, that, it that's seems always exciting. Like brand is like such a gateway to just find all these hidden gems that you wouldn't see anywhere else it's it really is it cool. is it is and it's a nice but it's a nice mix though i mean we have every year we have a, a mixture of, of established filmmakers like we'll have people like chad archibald or ryan andrews making movies for 12 plus years and they've done you know half a dozen movies they've directed and there's and then there's other people there's like this is literally, literally their first attempt so we get a, we get a real cross-section of of the of of the of of the experience level, not the skill level, but the experience level is like that. Is like we, the skills are there all across the board, but they, but yeah, some of them are like, wow, this is the seeing the yeah the ones that are really kind of green, yeah, yeah. In, in a film festival circuit at least kind of mm-hmm. thing like that. That's always kind of fun to see them come out, and we really try and wine and dine them. Like we we, we bring them in, we we have like we always give them like a filmmaker button when we do our Q and A's of like they get to be kind of it's kind of like our green jacket for the masters you know we get they get their little button they, and I'll, I'll tell you they they people who've gotten they wear them on set they wear them like that they, oh, they, yeah, they, they proud, wear yeah. they wear them with pride and we have a big award show at the end of the of, of the of the festival each year and we have a couple of photographers and a videographer like you were saying and we have to do like these red carpet photos with them because a lot of the people too who are making films like the actors and stuff like that they're they have day jobs and they're working like they're, they're not necessarily yeah, have made it they're, they're not necessarily working full some of them are but not all of them are working full time and so what we do is we for at least one night they get to be like stars oh, that's beautiful yeah Man, and we really kind of awesome. and we really literally pull, roll at the red carpet to kind of like go okay this is your like that and then what's great is then we we can take those filmmakers and then help them launch them and then you know then they can play like bigger stuff down the road we've had other filmmakers that quote-unquote graduated and played uh after dark and midnight madness and things like that down the road and kind of that and like that or do other things there to to advance their career and it's neat to see over the last six years watching that blossom yeah it's so cool there's so much heart behind this that i didn't know and i'm learning and it's Mm -hmm. like i'm getting amped for this is it it's november 23rd yeah 20 the 26th and we've moved we have a new location this year we moved to the royal uh in little italy and uh yeah we've been bouncing around a few locations because we've been growing so much we were we were at the carlton until for three years till two years ago and we were doing double screenings and we were like getting to the point we're gonna be turning away people it was getting kind of ridiculous and and then we went to cineplex last year and it was a good year but we and our numbers were up but um it wasn't really us and it just felt like I think it's not so the right the vibe wasn't there. The vibe wasn't there. It just didn't we have a kind of a you know, we have we want to keep our edge, right? And it just yeah. didn't and it just didn't it just didn't feel right, at least for right now, to be there. And so we contacted the Royal and it just seemed like they were really happy to have us and it was yeah. a good and it would actually um believe it or not, where we were at Young and Dundas, the theater actually was too small even. We were their largest theater is 280, and where we're going is 380. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, it's, Royal's a nice place. It? It's a really nice it's place, and building. and and they're really good technicians too. Because one thing I'm also mindful of is that um, they're a post production house as well, so they're very con- they're very cognitive of the sound and the picture quality. Yeah, yeah. And you know these premieres, we don't, the one thing I should mention too, we only play Toronto Canadian world premieres. So there's not so every single film has never been played in Toronto before, 
And so, especially with their world premieres and things like that, we don't want anything to go wrong. And I want to make sure that they're getting the best picture sound quality that they can possibly get. I know over there at the Royal, they're very meticulous in, like, a way, like, I found out by accident. uh, Mm -hmm. I used to do uh, construction and renovations as one of my non-creative survival jobs. Yeah. I was uh, helping renovate their basement, doing drywall and stuff. Mm. In the middle of the day, one of their sound people would always come down and start screaming at us. Oh, like, yeah. Like, we're trying to mix it. Oh, like, that must be, yeah, that must yeah. be hard, yeah. And, um, like, I'm cool with that because I'm, like, all for, like, a pro, like, movie and stuff. I'm like, okay, but, like, all the old, like, Italian guys I'm working with, they're like, oh, you fucking... <laughs> things I can't even say yeah. on here. But it's like... Uh, yeah, yeah, they're like really serious about like getting the best audio and like yeah, experience, and, they, and they got a different style room in there. Yeah, and yeah. also too, they. I mean, we actually looked at going there back in 2013, and at the time, they were playing more second run Hollywood. Uh, now they've gotten to much more um, niche programming uh, with that too, where they're kind of doing their retro screenings and things like that, and horror programming, and it fits a lot more conducive to what we're doing as well. So is that the same audience, but at the same time, the technical side of it is, um, is, is really good. So, uh, I think, I don't know, it's a good match for us. I think it's gonna, I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. Exciting times, man. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Anything else you want to say like before, like, your website is bloodinthesnow.ca. Is yes, it? it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can find us on on uh, Facebook. Um, bl- just type out Blood in the Snow Canadian Film Festival, and uh, Bits Film Fest is our Twitter handle. Yes, and there's also the Bits Podcast. Right? Bits Podcast. Yeah. yeah, I should mention too. There, uh, we have a couple. We really, um, like I was saying, we're kind of a year-round enterprise. We have a podcast called Bits Radio that you can find on our website and on YouTube as well. And uh, we um, we also have a TV series called bits tv and you can find the trailer and the episode list on our website but it's on bell 5 tv one if you're a bell subscriber and if you do come up to the fest this year we're going to show season one and season two of the shows in our pre-show when you walk cool. into the theater so you'll be able to if you get there a little early um you'll see you know when you have that pre-show with all the different slides and stuff like that going on we're going to be showing videos of of the the first 12 episodes. Nice, yeah. Come early, get a good seat. Get a good seat and watch that. And that's kind of something I, so I'm, I'm excited about about showing that on like that too. So, you know, we have a different, like, we also have, I should also mention, we have a DVD compilation called Bloody Bits. Okay, cool. And we worked with Black Fawn Distribution last year and we put, we picked seven shorts last year to put on a DVD compilation and it's for sale online and you can get it at the festival for ten dollars and even has an audio commentary for one of the films that i produced on it <laughs> and uh but it's like but it's just sort of like a little uh cross-section of some of the films we've played in the first five years of the fest and we're um we're working we, it won't be out this fall probably out next spring but we're working on volume two for that as well um so you know we're diversifying that's a and that's a great avenue too for short filmmakers because they um you know, they, they don't really have a life outside the film festivals usually. They, they're just kind of like they play them and then they, I don't know, might go online after or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so we were trying to, yeah, so we're trying to create opportunities for them like that to, to do, to, to put them in, in, in those kind those kinds of things. So we're always looking for, for, for different, uh, you know, different avenues for them to, to help them get to the next step. Yeah, it's so cool. I fucking love this brand. I'm so excited to go to my mm. first, uh, fest with you guys and everything and like i just want to thank you for coming in yeah. here taking your time like yeah. i totally like just love their conversation today oh and, thank like, you thank you for having me and, and yeah you guys are welcome here anytime all right thank you very Big much cheers. all right cheers 
Hey guys, thanks for checking out another episode of the Creative Imbalance Podcast. For all information on the Blood in the Snow Festival, you can check out girthradio.com. Click on the page for this episode. We're going to have links to everything that they are up to and dates and movies. And you can follow our social media and we'll be sharing the fuck out of what they're doing. Because it is pretty fucking awesome. And I'm so excited for my first Blood in the Snow Festival. Like always, you can follow us iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, girthradio.com. And like always, I'm going to leave you with a song. And there's a bit of a story behind it. Um, About a month ago, I ran into an old friend who I haven't seen in like eight fucking years. And uh, we went to high school together. And I remember even before uh, talking to him, I wanted to be his friend. He uh, was walking down the hallways all the time. He had the biggest spikes coming out of his hair he was just (laughs) the punk rock kid of the entire school and yeah we had the same music class we were both playing guitar and stuff and just recently i bumped into him again mr ryan holdsworth i was disappointed he didn't have the spikes but he was wearing a punk shirt which was still pretty cool (laughs) and uh we were just talking, and he was, he asked me, uh, do you still play music? And I'm like, no, not really. told him about the podcast, and um, I asked him, and he told me about his band. And beyond me being so happy that this guy was still playing music, I went and checked it out. They're called the Doppelgangers, and they got quite the following. Um, I'm on their Facebook fan page right now, they, there's, and there's thousands and thousands of people who like this makes me so happy that people are living the dream you know (laughs) especially uh somebody you haven't seen in a long time and you just love and respect the dude so here are two songs from the doppelgangers coming right at you Make another 
Girth Radio. When you threw me out of the street, you made me into something glass. 